plays. Stories of the Unusual. This is Arch Obler. Tonight's play is somewhat ungrammatically titled Him or Me because it's about an ungrammatical, unethical character whom we're all meeting all too frequently in our troubled world. If ever a playwright wrote a play in blood, that's the way I did this one. It begins after a short message. And now, Arch Obler's unusual play called Him or Me. Listen to the thoughts of Bill Carr. Sucker's car. Got off at the boat night. He pulled up. He said, Want a lift, soldier? Yeah. Brand new convertible, I remember. Are you sure you're warm enough, young man? Yeah, yeah I'm okay. Uh, Cora, she's Mrs. Potter, always makes fun of me, carrying all those blankets and things. But when you've traveled on the road as long as I have and in my territory, you just have to be ready for any contingent. You've got a nice car. Oh, yes. You see, it's a surprise for Mrs. Potter. <laughs> but she won't know about it for two weeks. And, uh, listen, could, could you pull up a minute? I'm so good. Why? Uh, phone gonna be sick? Oh, sure, sure. There you are. Do you want to get out? I mean, I... Your hands? What? No! He said, and his old he wouldn't start yelling to the cops for three, and by that time I'd be back in Chicago on a car to have a new paint job and a new engine number. I looked out of the window. We were parked right on a bridge, and below there was water. Up you go. You wanted to go fishing, mister? Okay. I figured all out. The time is gone. I gotta figure an angle. What happened? I don't remember. There's a car. Yeah. From the way to Chicago. Oh, but first I had to settle an old score. I've been waiting for 15 years in my hometown. Paper, mister? Paper? No, no, no. Hey, uh, tell me something, will you? Uh, uh, a guy named J.B. Rulin still run this town? Old man Rulin? Yeah. Well, mister, he don't have to run it. He owns it. Bang, most of the filling stations, the newspaper. Well, man, Rulin's got... Hey, 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 look. Well, see that dish crossing the street? Yeah. That's old man Rulin's, too. That's his daughter. That was you, Kitty, he was talking about. And seeing you made it a lot easier to hang around town and figure out an angle to settle my score with your old man. Have another, young man. Have another. After all, this is quite an occasion. An occasion, Mr. Rulin? Why, of course. Prodigal son returns with a fatted calf. <laughs> oh, yeah? You run me out of town, didn't you, Mr. Rowe? No, no, I didn't do that exactly. I, uh, 
I felt another atmosphere would get you away from certain unfortunate influences. And it certainly did straighten you out. And I think that you're now a businessman, no less. Yeah, the past is the past, as far as I'm concerned. And here you are, older, prosperous, and a welcome guest. Oh, Kathy, come in here. I want you to meet an old friend of mine. Yeah, you were the answer, Kay, the angle. But you didn't want to play, did you, Kay? Oh, Bill, please. I like you very much. Of course I do. After all, I've only known you a week. Oh, please, Bill, don't let me talk. I'm just a small-town girl. You frighten me a little. But I do like you very much. I think about you all the time. Yeah. Just a nice, small-town girl, okay. <laughs> so, wedding bells with the price of the payoff, okay, I said. Might have the preacher say the words over me a couple of times before the war. One more time, I'm going to hurt me. And when I got through with you, and your old man's bankroll... That is square the score, yeah. With interest for 15 years. I'm not far of this marriage, Bill. Had I known you intended to stay in our town, I would have seen to it that my daughter never met you. <laughs> Papa didn't have a chance. Bill? Please, turn off the big light. Shining right in my eyes. Oh, sure. Yeah, better. <gasps> Could I turn off the bed lamp, too? After the champagne. Oh. <laughs> I bet we're the only people who ever stole champagne from their own wedding. <laughs> <laughs> to us, Bill. Always. Yeah. <sighs> Bill. Mm. Well, here I am, married to you, and, mm-hmm. and I love you. But I don't really know you. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask you something right now. Well, go ahead. All those years away from town, and then coming back all of a sudden, I've got no bill. Did you come back because you didn't know she'd gotten married? No. I mean, Lorella. Oh. Some people were saying you really left town because of her. Did you come back because of her, too? Lily Ellis. She said Lily Ellis for a minute I couldn't remember. Lily Ellis. Oh, and I married her too. And then I remember Jan, blonde gal I played around with. I said to Kay, no, baby, I don't even remember Lily Ellis. Now, how about another? And then I remember I started to get out of bed. My right foot touched the floor. Only it wasn't the floor. Something soft and warm. It bit. I fell over. I fell back on the bed. My elbow hit something. It was Kay. Screaming. Funny. I jaw to one side. And it was blood on my foot. And I knew. A rat. I stepped on a rat. And he bit me. And when I fell back, I hit Kay's jaw. And I broke. Rats. Rats. What do you mean, rats? It's a brand new house. How could there be any rats? Drunk. And you hit her and you broke her jaw. Well, you won't get the chance to hurt her again. She's safe at home and she's staying there. I'll get the married and old. You went away, Mr. Ronan, when the door closed behind you. I knew that job was finished. It was no good. The weeks were wasted. I was out. Cold. All my scheming. The door, the gal, the pillow. All of it finished by one lousy little rat. Only was there a rat. 
I sat down, me and a bottle, and the more I kept drinking, the more I kept thinking. Was there a rat? Was there a rat? I fell asleep. I woke up. A shot. Who? Who? And then I saw a bottle of whiskey smashed on the floor. In my sleep, I'd... And then I saw something else. Animal tracks. Wet animal tracks. Running across the floor as if something went through the liquor. I got to my feet and I followed them across the room, through the door. And then they were gone. They were lost in the carpet. But now I knew there was a rat. I'll get you, you fat rat. I'll get you with my... Yeah, I still stay yelling. Nobody had ever got the best of me. Nobody. O'Bannon, Sam Contreras, Max Reaver, dead, Ronnie. Nobody beat me, nobody. I wasn't going away. I was staying there. As long as it took me to get that rat. Him or me. That's when I knew it. Him or me. Turn to Arch Obler's strange play, Him or Me. Listen to the thoughts of Bill Carr. Him or me, him or me, him or me, him or me. No, no, no. Him. Him. Yeah. He's going to that. I want to do that morning. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I went out into the street, just like I was. Everybody saw me. Hi, Mr. Carr. How's the ride? Hi, uh, Bill. What's the ride? Uh, hello, Bill. Anything I can do? Yeah, yeah. Some traps. Give me some traps. Will you? Traps? What kind of traps? Bear traps? Gopher? Right. Right. Traps. Give me three. No, no. And then make it four. Now, give me a dozen. All right. Give me some poison. A dozen boxes of rat poison. Now, wait a minute. There aren't that many rats in there. Don't argue with me, you fool. Now, then stop. Get it for me. Will you get it for me? In a couple of minutes, I was out of the place, the stuff in my arms, almost running. And I could see people turn at me, watching me running, the stuff in my arms, my face the way it was, without washing, shaving. And then she was there, the blonde dame. Bill Carl, all people. Say, I bet you don't even remember. Yeah, well, well I, I was... You uh, don't? You so-and-so. I'm Lily, Lily Alice. Oh, sure. I know. I mean, I... Oh, I you big, handsome lug. Haven't you got a kiss your old girlfriend after all these years? Come on, I know you. You're not the bad side. And then you were grinding your lips on mine. Weren't you, Lily? You didn't think. You didn't know. You didn't care. Everybody watching. Everybody stopping the street watching. Bill Carr just got married to old man Rooney's kid. Kissing his old girlfriend out there in front of everybody. Look, Bill. We're stopping traffic. Come on, let's get out of here. How about taking me to breakfast? I know. No, no. I, I... All right, all right. We'll go over to my place and... Well, for heaven's sake, what's in those boxes? Breakfast food? Poison grain. Well, for heaven's sake, Bill, what are you doing with all those boxes of poison grain? Who are you killing and when? I got away from her. Back in the house, I set the traps. I put the poison stuff across the head of the stairs, crisscross all over the kitchen floor, and then I went into the bedroom. And then I saw. Where I left the bureau drawer open, everything was torn to pieces. All my identification papers, my billfolds, and the rest of my dough. My dough. Fifteen thousand bucks chewed up in little pieces. My dough. And then a phone. All right. All right. Oh, who is it? Hello. Is that you, Bill? Yeah. Well, this is Mr. Ronan. 
Kay's got it in her head that she wants to come back there with you, heaven knows why. Well, you better come over here and get her right away. No, no, let her stay there. What? What'd you say? I said let her stay there. Busy. Things are going on. Hey, Bill Carr. Kay's got hysterics. That she wants to be with you. I blasted all. You better come over here and get her. You're getting right away. Right away. Sure, why not? So I took a deep breath and I went over and got you, Kay. Sure. Because now the 15 grand was gone. But having you again, I have another chance to get your old man right in his cash box. He came with us. And when the two of you were all set in the house, I went down the street thinking of that 15,000 gone. And the back of my head was hurting like it was ready to bust wide open. Him or me, him or me, I had to do something. Uh, traps, the poison grain, that wasn't enough. I had to be sure I'd get him fast before I blew my tongue. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Look, down was a big time. Like old man Frank always had around his cash feeding grain store. I went into the place. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. And Mr. Frank, you got rats around here, huh? All right. Well, how do you get rid of them? Why? We got rats at my house. Will you tell me a sure way to get rid of them? Why? Because I'll pay off. That's why. Any price. I'll pay you anything you want. Well, I haven't got the stuff ready made, but would you want the formula? The formula? Yeah, 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 sure, sure. I got it written down on a paper here somewhere, huh? Yeah, here it is. Cost you two dollars. Cash money. Went down the street and I was feeling good. Old man Frank always knew what he was talking about. Holding that piece of paper tight in my hand, I went to Mr. Miller's drugstore. Yes, what is it? Oh, oh, how's the bridegroom? Uh, shouldn't I? Hey, this, uh, this prescription. Can you fill this right away? Prescription's my business. Hey, what's this for? Old man Frank giving me. It's for killing rats. Very dangerous. Oh, sure, sure. Come on, will you fill it? I'm in a hurry. Oh, this is very dangerous. Very, very Half an hour later, he came back with two bottles. Mix them, he says. Be careful, he says. When I got home, Kay was sleeping. Her pa was snoring in the chair next to bed. So I went to the kitchen. I got a big glass dish, and I began to mix the stuff. And all of a sudden... Hey, what's going on here? What are you doing? What's that stuff you're mixing? Medicine? No, 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 no. no, no, no don't, don't, don't touch it. What's the matter with you? That poison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poison? Yeah. Sure, it's poison. Look, that rat, the one that bit me, just to kill him. Once and for all. Oh. All right. All right, Bill. All right, I... I've got to go home now to supper, but uh, I'll be back later. Now, you, you've got to be careful. He went, and as soon as he did, I finished mixing the stuff, and I filled half a dozen saucers with him. And then I put those saucers all the places I knew he'd go. Kitchen, living room, hallway. And then as I started down into the basement, in the other room, I grabbed, I grabbed until I had already the living room. The lights. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, got him. Broken pieces of saucer on the floor and over by the window. Him. Yeah. He was there just the way I dreamed about it. Looking up at me. Yeah. What'd he look like? He was big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was big. He was bigger than Tomcat. And he wasn't young. His fur was a gray that was an old gray. His head was sharp and pointed like a key to hell. With black, bright, beady eyes that knew all the answers in hell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his eyes. Something crazy. Just in that minute, he looked at me. He was that rat in that road near Frisco. Me in the car, him sitting by the man I'd killed, looking up at me. And all of a sudden, he moved. The club in my hand went up. Then I began to laugh. Because whatever he was, wherever he came from, I saw he couldn't get away from me. Not anymore. 
His hind legs. That poison had done something to him. Now he's just crawling along. Just crawling, like a big gray crab in a dirty fur coat. I took a step forward. He stopped crawling. Looked at me like he was trying to figure a way out. There wasn't no way out. He took another little sidestep toward the window. Window was partly open. Another little sidestep, his eyes on me. Okay, I said to myself, okay. Three more steps, and then I'll give it to you. Took another step. But between that and the next step, he waited a long, long time. Looking at me all the time, as if trying to figure out what I was thinking, what I was going to do. One more step, I said to myself. You, you got one step left. His claw started digging into the woods for another move, and then he changed his mind. But all of a sudden, I couldn't wait no more. Now I just I swung the club. He wasn't there. Where he got the strength from, I don't know. He threw himself to one side of my club, missed him, and then he was gone. I stood there like I was struck dead. And then I heard... Okay, you were sitting up in the dead pointy your finger. I saw him on the floor moving toward you. I swung that club and the light went up. I swung blind in the dark, but I thought the club hit and crushed. And then you, Kay, you were quiet. I didn't have a chance. Now, the way I broke your jaw on a honeymoon, another girl coming back to town and kissing me, and me going around trying to get the poison. And what the druggist said. What your pa said about the poison drink and the way I acted. What they dug up on me in Chicago. I didn't have a chance. Him on me, him on me, him on me, him on me. Clock. What do I hear? A clock. Time, yeah. i got to have more time. An angle. I ain't figured out an angle. Nobody's ever licked me. Nobody. How can a dirty, lousy little rat lick? Straps. Putting straps on my feet, my hands, mask over my head. They're gonna burn. Him or me? I guess it's me. This is Arch Ober once more. Someone said to me, Hi, Mr. Ryder, why don't you make us laugh? So, for the sake of a few laughs, my next play is titled Mrs. Kingsley's Report. More about that after a brief message. This is Ober again. First, might I thank with you tonight's players, Larry Dobkin, Barney Phillips, and Barbara Eiler. It's time for Edward R. Murrow with the news, presented by the Ford Division of Ford Motor Company. It's perfectly logical. The car that most people want today is the car that gives them the most for their money. And that car is the new 54 Ford. It's the only low-priced car offering a choice of V8 or 6. The new 130-horsepower wide-lock V8 or the new 115-horsepower I-block 6. It's the only car in its field with new ball-joint suspension, a truly modern front suspension system. And Ford offers five optional power assists to help take the drive out of driving. No wonder the new 54 Ford is America's most wanted car. And now here's Edward R. Murrow. This is the news. 
The government reports that unemployment increased by 584,000 persons in February. It was the fourth straight monthly increase. There are now 3,671,000 unemployed. In the past three months, December, January, and February, the figure on the unemployed increased by 2 million. Once again tonight, Senator McCarthy and Army Secretary Stevens are in violent verbal disagreement. An Army report says that Senator McCarthy and his chief counsel, Roy Cohn, applied pressure and threats to the Army to try to get special treatment for a former committee aide, David Shine, who was drafted into the Army. The Army report says the 27-year-old Cohn threatened to get the Secretary Stevens and wreck the Army. Cohn denies this, and he and McCarthy say the Army has been using this report in an attempt to blackmail the McCarthy Committee to give up its search for communists in the Army. McCarthy today released an unsigned memorandum saying that Army Secretary Stevens once suggested that the Committee aim its search for communists at the Navy, the Air Force, and the Defense Department. The unsigned McCarthy Memorandum says Stevens offered to furnish leads and plenty of dirt for such an investigation. Secretary Stevens promptly called this utterly untrue. And the Army's legal counsel, John G. Adams, who is alleged to have had conversations with McCarthy on such things, calls the McCarthy Memorandum fantastic and false. One McCarthy committee member, Republican Potter of Michigan, called for a quick hearing to determine whether what he called these shocking charges against Cohn are true. Another Republican committee member, Dirksen of Illinois, said McCarthy violated an agreement with other Republicans not to release his memorandum, at least until they had discussed the Army's report on McCarthy and Cohn. Dirksen says the present controversy has gone far enough. The three Democrats on the committee want an early hearing on the Army's report. So does Republican Senator Munt, another member. Senator McCarthy left Washington today to make some speeches in Wisconsin. I am obliged to assume that most people have on their minds matters of more considerable substance than Senator McCarthy's opinion of this reporter or my opinion of him. However, it might serve some purpose to set at least some part of the record straight. Let us begin with the subject of the Civil Liberties Union. Here is Senator McCarthy's statement on that subject recorded while he was interrogating Reed Harris. Did the Civil Civil Liberties Union provide you with an attorney at that time? I had many offers of attorneys, and one of those was from the American Civil Liberties Union, yes. The question is, did the Civil Liberties Union supply you with an attorney? They did supply an attorney. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Uh, you know the Civil Liberties Union has been listed as a front foreign during the work of the Communist Party. Mr. Chairman, this was 1932. Yeah, I know it was in 1932. Do you know that they since have been listed as a front for during the work of the I do not know that they have been listed, so, sir. You, you don't know they have been listed. I have heard that mention and yes, read that mention. Now, here is this reporter's comment made on a recent television program. The Reed Harris hearing demonstrates one of the senator's techniques. Twice, he said the American Civil Liberties Union was listed as a subversive front. The Attorney General's list does not and has never listed the ACLU as subversive, nor does the FBI or any other federal government agency. And the American Civil Liberties Union holds in its files letters of commendation from President Truman, President Eisenhower, and General MacArthur. Here again is what Senator McCarthy said last night when asked by Fulton Lewis, Jr. to comment on my remarks. Well, may I say that I, there are some individuals in the ACLU who are good Americans, but Merrill again was not telling the truth. 
when he said I'm not, not been listed. I have, as you see here, from the fourth report of the Un-American Activities uh, Committee in California. I quote from page 107, and this is a quotation in regard to the organization which Morrow said had not been listed. Quote, the American Civil Liberties Union may be definitely classed as a communist front or transmission belt organization. At least 90% of its efforts are expended on behalf of communists who come into conflict with the law. So that again, Mr. Murrow is not telling the truth. I specifically stated the Attorney General's list, the FBI, and any other government agency. Someone lied. There's no doubt about that. Now let us turn to another subject. Mr. Lewis last night asked the Senator to comment on a television program of which I am the editor. Here is Senator McCarthy's reply. I have no hesitation in giving it such circulation as this broadcast may enjoy. I may say, Fulton, that I have a little difficulty uh, answering the specific attacks that he made because I never listened to the extreme left-wing bleeding-heart elements of uh, radio or television. The senator may have me there. I may be a bleeding heart, being not quite sure of what it means. As for being extreme left-wing, that is political shorthand. But if the senator means that I am somewhat to the left of his position and of Louis XIV, he is correct. Now, here are the facts about that Moscow summer school. The date was 1935. I was the assistant director of the Institute of International Education. This organization dealt primarily with the exchange of students and professors between this and foreign countries. It had established offices in London, Paris, Berlin, Geneva, and elsewhere. It was largely financed at that time by the Carnegie Corporation and the Rockefeller Foundation. Among its board of trustees were such as John Foster Dulles, John Bassett Moore, Thomas W. Lamont, Virginia Gildersleeve, and others equally distinguished. I believed 18 years ago, and I believe today, that mature American graduate students and professors can engage in conversation and controversy, the clash of ideas, with communists anywhere under peacetime conditions without becoming contaminated or converted. To deny this would be to admit that in the realm of ideas, faith, and conviction, the communist cause, dogma, and doctrine is stronger than our own. This reporter declines to admit that, but remains uncertain as to Senator McCarthy's position on this matter. This seems to be the open season for quoting Lincoln. Last night, Senator McCarthy quoted from Lincoln's speech of 1838. I'd like to read you these words from that same speech. I hope I am overwary, but if I am not, there is even now something of ill omen amongst us. I mean the increasing disregard for law which pervades the country, the growing disposition to substitute the wild and furious passions in lieu of the sober judgment of courts, and the worse than savage mobs for the executive ministers of justice. Good night and good luck. If you haven't had a test drive in the new 54 Ford, your Ford dealer cordially invites you to stop in. While you're there, be sure and try Ford's five optional power assists. They really take the drive out of driving. After your test drive, you'll ask yourself, why pay more than the price of a new 54 Ford? You can't buy better. Listen to Murrow on Monday, when he'll again be presented by the...